Hey, this is Toby Smith. Buy, hold, sell. It's been funny today because everything we've been buying has been going up maybe till today. But there's this mystery out there. There are still these loud mouth bears talking about how there's no rate cuts next year, that there's going to be a recession. They've been dead wrong. How do they get time on, you know, on TV and radio, Todd? I have no idea. <laughs> Toby, you're but doing great. Our guest, because she has a positive outlet. Thank you very much. Okay, well, Brenda Vangelo is joining us. She's the Chief Investment Officer for Sandhill Global Advisors. And Brenda's going to be joining Buy, Hold, Sell today from Palo Alto, California, which is exciting because I think you are our first guest from Palo Alto. So this is very exciting for us on Buy, Hold, Sell. So Brenda, we got to talk about this market. I mean, it looks like the Federal Reserve and Toby brought it up in the intro that the Fed is happy right now. We're looking at a soft landing. We're looking at some of the the, the two employment reports we received this week with jolts yeah. as well as ADP. It's trailing Wall Street estimates. We have two more on deck. We have the jobless claims number and we also have jobs the jobs data that's coming out showing us how many jobs were created in the month of November. But what do you think? I mean, can you say soft landing? I mean, this is, it looks like that's what we're going to have, but what's your take? Well, I think the market has certainly clued into that and is expecting that that now is an inevitable outcome. Um, I do think it's been great news to see inflation coming down. We get another read of, on that next Tuesday. Um, oil prices have come down a lot. That's really helpful for headline inflation. And I think if they stay lower, that'll trickle down um, uh, into the core number. But I think overall, with in terms of the outlook for, for the jobs uh, number, I'm still, I'm holding out to see what Friday's number looks like. Um, I think the last couple of months we've had um, an impact from the UAW strikes that's been filtering into some of the employment numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a change in methodology um, with the employment number that came out today with ADP. So I think we're still holding out, waiting for those non-farm payroll numbers. But it was really good news to see that the number of job openings has come down. That would certainly support a, a theory that, you know, maybe we will just eliminate some of these open positions and we won't end up with a lot of job loss and that in itself will take some of the pressure off of wage growth that we've been seeing. Yeah, Todd, I, you know, it was interesting this this week. I, we, I'm, I, we measure a lot of various parts of the stock market, and one happens to be retail investors versus institutional. It's just by the size of the trades. And mm -hmm. this is the first week, and really last week was the first time retail was carrying the market. Uh, it, you know, the institutional uh, look, looks and feels like it's a little bit filled up owns enough and was wants to sit back Then retail late to the game. Um, you know, everything, obviously, from Bitcoin, my, my new favorite stock square, uh, my new favorite, uh, some other, you know, sectors that uh, have been essentially are getting the rotation that we're getting out of the high Magnificent 7, Magnificent 10, whatever you want to call it. I, I just like my favorite is the S&P 493. And, and we're rotating. Clearly, people are taking profits. She, uh, She's a money manager. I'm a money manager. Uh, we, I, if I don't take profits in some of the things like Nvidia we've had all year and uh, SMCI in your neighborhood, that's just ridiculous. If, if you're sitting on two and three hundred percent gains in a year in a stock market that normally delivers seven to eight percent a year historically, then you're a bonehead, and your manager should be calling you on the carpet and, and firing yeah. you if you're not taking some of the profits now. Let's particularly go. if you have losses you know, from older positions that you can watch the, the, the uh, tax implications for. I mean, come on, yeah. man. Yeah. This is Toby's normal. Baltimore. Yeah, baby. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> this is healthy. 
this is what stocks do when they go up five weeks in a row. And, okay. Uh, but if you were able to look out six months from now, you're going to see uh, employment coming down. But remember, at the higher end, in, in Silicon Valley, there's only about 310,000 people that have been laid off in the last two years at an average salary of 258,000 bucks. All right, that means some of those restaurants in your hood are going to be, you know, hurting a little bit or some of the bars. Yeah, I do have to say, though, that most of them left with a pretty attractive package on the way out the door. Oh, yeah. I have a personal theory that many of them didn't even bother filing for unemployment. Um and if they held on to any of the stock that they got as part of their employment package, they're True. probably feeling okay right now, you know, because so many of those stocks have, have reached. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a great time. point that I really mm -hmm. haven't focused on. Uh, I was just trying to say that if you look at the, the, you know, the post pandemic craziness and then, you know, coming back to reality, uh, we're buying stocks in companies that are doing cuts like Spotify yesterday. Mm -hmm. 17, you know, percent of their workforce. Well, what the hell did they have 17% of the workforce going for the last 12 months? I don't understand. Yeah. This new found, God bless Mark Zuckerberg, right? Finally, you know, pulled his head out and says, there's no meta, there's AI. I don't need 3,300 engineers working on something that nobody wants to buy. And I got yeah. rid of 17% of my, and look, look at the stock. Stock yeah. doubled in a half. So that's one of our big themes is, Big tech or mid-sized tech, you know, getting we're getting you know reality as to overhead and understanding that that earnings are still going to drive valuations, you know, with a four percent um, yeah. tenure. It's been great to see a lot of companies recognize that they have too much staff. But I do think one thing that happened that happened this time in large cap, and I used to be an analyst following small cap, and I used to see this all the time. When growth is going really well, like we saw the growth in 2020, 2021, it hides all kinds of ills and overspending. Right. And, and then when the growth slows down, suddenly everything becomes very apparent. And yeah. I think that's what we saw, you know, after the, you know, the big couple of years of pulling business forward, and then suddenly things started to normalize. And then you discovered, well, just how, um, how maybe, you know, many of these companies hadn't been as financially responsible as they should have been. And, um, you know, realizing they were really overstaffed. In some cases, I think they had to staff up just to deal with the onslaught of business coming their way back in 2020 and 2021. But now it's nice to see that many of these companies have um, recognized and some of it's a little bit forced recognition by the market um, right. that they need to focus more on the cost side of the equation and on the profit margins. And so I think Wall Street's certainly rewarding that. Uh, and that's that's good to see. Um, and certainly if, if growth resumes and we have a more normalized environment, which I think we probably will as we look going forward, that should mean there's just more leverage to be had in the business models. And perhaps they don't need to invest quite as much. Although I will say with AI, that is expensive investment. Um, and so that is happening at many of these larger companies and it's a yeah. necessity, I think. Well, I, yeah, there's a great research, uh, Price Waterhouse today was out uh, showing that the top down impetus on AI is something that they hardly ever seen. Normally it's, it's the nerds in the IT department and, you know, uh, other sides that are pushing everything. And then the guys on top say, no, hell no, we don't need that stuff. Now it's getting reversed. The CEOs and CIOs uh, are, and CFOs are coming in and saying, we would be at a competitive disadvantage if we can't get all our data into one platform, uh, structure it so we can use it, um, and then use that damn co-pilot that Microsoft was selling me for 20 bucks a month. Although I got a, a six-month deal, Todd. I don't know why. They gave me six months. Um, you got the coupon. Yeah. I, 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 
I think the other nuance, though, is that I think some of these um, larger companies, I mean, their business models are potentially going to change. Like if you look at a Google, for example, mm -hmm. and if you look at their search, they benefit from imperfect search. That's what their, you know, um, advertising platform is built on. Um, and so suddenly if, if search is a lot more perfect, then how do you get those advertising dollars or how do you monetize it? So I do think we're going to see a lot of change, even in some of the larger companies um, in, uh, in the stock market within tech, uh, just as AI evolves, uh, because it's um, going to change a yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I use bardgoogle.com the, the most. That's the one I find has most value. Of course, when you, I, I search something, it's usually like, you know, what was the Federal Reserve rates? Uh, in 1978, you know, and boom, you get it in three seconds right? and you don't get an ad. Mm -hmm. And uh, my uh, clients and my subscribers are all saying, geez, Toby, how do you get all these crazy things? I said, bardgoogle.com. Mm -hmm. um, the only one I'm having a hard one time with, Todd, is I've asked a math question to all of them the same way and I'm getting different answers. So there's a little really? hallucinating going on when you have an advanced math question. Uh, so far, I had asked one of my subscribers who happens to be a PhD in math to answer the goddamn question. This must be one hell of a question then. So well, it was, it was taking our the, these very high yield. Remember some of the guys we've had on recently with the high yield? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, this interesting oh, yeah. Wall Street Journal today had an article on yield max yep. and on defiance. And we've, we've had them on our show many times. Yes. Um, and I, I, I have a portfolio of them that I hedge. The actual internal rate of return, the IRR, is about 48% a year, you know, making some basic wow. assumptions that I hedge for that. It actually is higher, but I'm, but I'm buying, you know, puts and selling call, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I gave that question to like myself and to all the, all the, uh, the chat GBTs, et cetera, and they all had a different answer. So <laughs> I'll give you the answer. I get it back. But the 48% compounded over five years is a, a whole lot of money. Um, yeah. And if you have, if you have it in a Roth, or uh, particularly, oh. then that income starts to choke a horse. Even I can't spend that income, and I can spend income. <laughs> Absolutely. Good so, Brenda, is, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, Brenda, this has got to be the really the sweet spot, the tip, the highest point in our generation to be invested in tech. I mean, you have companies that. There are non-tech companies that are looking at, at as as Dan Ives said at Wedbush, looking at eight to ten percent budgets just next year mm -hmm. devoted to AI. I mean, this has got to be the time to get into tech. What you're right there in the heartbeat of it. I mean, what are you telling your investors over at Sandhill? Is this are you saying go overweight as much as you can on tech or whatever you're comfortable with? Or do you think this is a time to start pulling back? Well, I think you have to be selective. And I think some of the, the mega cap eight stocks that have worked so well this year, we've seen, even if you take NVIDIA, host your child for being a beneficiary yeah. of AI implementation. Okay. NVIDIA's stock hasn't done as well as I think most people would have expected since June of last year after recording some phenomenal quarters. But so I think in some cases, some of these stories have played out or in the near term. You know, they've kind of reached a valuation top a little bit, but I still think it's important to have exposure uh, to some of those large cap tech names, primarily because as we move to next year and as my, you know, I think we are going to see more of an impact from higher rates, especially amongst companies that are going to have to have bonds that are maturing next year. They're going to have to refinance. Well, none of those large cap tech companies have that problem. Um, many yeah. of them have more cash than they know what to do with. So I do think that valuation is probably going to remain rel relatively high uh, for that group just because of the strong positioning that they have um, and their financial health of those companies. Uh, but I do think that the jury is still out a little bit on AI just in terms of uh, it's expensive to implement. 
Uh, but then who is the real beneficiary? Um, where does the benefit come in terms of uh, where are the earnings? <laughs> you know, where and we all know and, and think that this is going to make everything very efficient, speed up the overall pace of, of innovation in many cases. But just how long does it take for that piece to come to fruition? And I think that's the question that we're still asking in terms of understanding the total earnings power that could come um, from implementing AI. Yeah, I, I would throw in the fact that the idea of having this large language model that costs two or $3 billion to essentially steal all the content from the internet. We're going to have a, a, a European AI Act that will be done by the end of the year, or certainly the first part of, of next year, that is going to very specifically say, you have to have a copyright, you have to have a thumbnail, you have to say where you got it, when you got it, um, and 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 that all that content needs to be watermarked. Mm. We work with uh, a company called Versus AI that, that is a public company. Mm. And, and they're on the board with uh, European AI and they're on the board of a number of other companies and countries because they have a system that essentially allows you to take your corporate data. And I, I, what I'm trying to get at is that the big implementation and the money's going to be made at the enterprise level. Mm -hmm. It's not me being on, you know, bardgoogle.com and, and right. figuring out, you know, uh, what show was Tobin Smith on in 19, 2003. Um, so <laughs> the enterprise needs as a bunch of unstructured data, meaning that's not in a, you know, Venn diagram. It's not in a, in a in any type of way to, to look at it. And that has to be structured. And that has nothing to do with chat GBT, mm -hmm. uh, number one. And then number two, yeah, if you're Microsoft, who's the winner? Microsoft, Google. Amazon and Oracle, who are the largest cloud as a service providers. Right. And, and then as they grow in that, then who's another big winner? Of another neighbor of yours out there, SMCI. Uh, SMCI makes these, these huge uh, data center, you know, craters, I, I guess I call, call them. And they're all filled with NVIDIA chips. They're the largest buyer of NVIDIA chips. But one thing that's going to hit next year, which is all that crazy money that NVIDIA is making, has got AMD with a brand new GPU mm -hmm. out, yep. you know, it's got, we, we've got uh, Microsoft with their own, we have Facebook with their own, we have Google with their own GPUs, $35,000, $50,000 per board? Come on, man. Right, gonna, right. You know, that, yeah, no that, doubt. You, but... you milk that like crazy now, but don't think in your financial forecast, maybe you agree with me, Brenda, that you're going to be getting $50,000 a freaking GPU next year. Right. No, I think NVIDIA certainly had a first mover advantage in an yes. environment where it was suddenly like, oh, my gosh, we need to start spending on this and we need to start implementing immediately just in order to be um, be competitive. But I agree, you know, in the wings, we're hearing almost daily about um, competitors, uh, even um, from Jensen Wong himself talking about potential competitors out there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's only a matter of time before there is more competition. Well, the, well, yeah. the one thing we have discovered, here's a great business model. Mm -hmm. If you own 100 data centers and you fill them with, you know, any type of GPUs, uh, and then you buy stock in the companies yeah. that are building these large, large language models, but they have to use your data center and they pay full freight, by the way. Then that's like, all right, wait a minute, I'm, you know, I'm, and, and we haven't even talked about Apple because Apple is taking their own sweet time, but you got to know they're going to, they have some great stuff going on. But what a great business model for Microsoft. Here, here's a billion dollars. Now, I know you're going to spend $250 million in a large language modeling time. So let me see, that's a 25% return on my billion dollars. Where are they going to get that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, good point. Well, so we, we have to, it, it, time will the tell. It's get bigger until, you know, there's some other move, but you still yeah. need those data centers, man. You got that right. Well, listen, let's leave it on this block, guys, because coming up after the break, 
We're going to be talking to Brenda all about a couple of different sectors who might even bring up Bitcoin. Who knows? That seems to be a hot topic these days. So we'll see. So with us today, we have Brenda Vigello. She is the CIO for Sandhill Global Advisors in Palo Alto. And she will be with us right after the break. Please stay with us. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with Breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with Breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with Breslow the business of sports betting podcast did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the u.s have to be american built owned and crewed That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Hey, this is Jeff Hurst, Editor-in-Chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. you got to listen to Todd and Toby on Buy, Hold, Sell. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. Well, all three major indices were down today, just slightly, though, on a, in a very choppy session. Uh, we so we got the the uh, ADP report numbers report was actually was uh, was much less than than I think Wall Street was expecting. So what's that tell us about the November jobs report coming out on Friday? Well, we will see. Some of us are optimistic, and some are actually, um, I would say, cautiously pessimistic at this point. Todd, but with us today, be optimistic if you were on the the surgery table for an appendectomy without, you know, any. Yes. You're just a born optimist. You got got so much to look forward to, right? I mean, come on now. Markets are having a great year this year. 
Oil is down below 70. And our guest today actually is going to be talking about a couple of things. So we're going to bring her back in here. Brenda Vingello. She is the CIO over at Sandhill Global Advisors. So Brenda, when we left off in the last break, we were talking about obviously the tech sector and um, and how crucial and how really valuable uh, investors really need to look at that sector. But what do you think on the non-tech sector side? Because now here you have the Fed looks like they're going to be pausing, at least for the foreseeable future. We might even have rate cuts. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know what your take is on that, but we'll get into that in a second. But as far as sectors to really focus on, those non-tech companies, what do you think as far as investors or what they should be concentrating on? Sure. Well, I think, you know, this year, uh, you know, outside of those large cap tech stocks, primarily eight tech stocks, we really did not see a lot of market participation. And any company with debt, any company that had a high dividend payment, uh, anything that was in small and mid cap in the US, uh, which needs more financing, generally speaking, in order to grow, um, anything that was in <laughs> even the Ozempic effect impacted a lot of consumer staples. So there were just a lot of these negative themes that were happening underneath the surface uh, that really caused a lot of sectors and individual stocks to become very inexpensive. And it was hard to really gauge, you know, exactly when that was going to change. I mean, stocks can stay cheap for a long time. Uh, but it, yeah, yeah. But um, I think what really needed to happen was, uh, and, and I will say, though, that the third quarter was so unique with the significant GDP growth surprise that we got and just everybody pontificating about just how high rates could possibly go, that that, you know, caused even more pressure on many of those areas of the market. And what we've seen in this current quarter is that much of that has been alleviated as we've all, you know, uh, decided for the time being that a soft landing is very much a real possibility and that the Fed is probably done raising interest rates. And we've seen long-term rates, which have been incredibly volatile, you know, go from 5% all the way back down to 4.1% today. So it's Can you just believe that? been incredibly volatile, uh, but it has really supported uh, money flowing back into many of those areas of the market that didn't participate, you know, for a variety of reasons uh, this year. But I think in my mind, that's encouraging uh, because in order to keep the market rally going, I think we do need a broadening out. I think we can't rely on seven or eight stocks to, to, to fuel, you know, another six to nine months worth of returns in the market. So I think um, having that broader participation is definitely important. Yeah, you know, Todd, the, um, it obviously was pretty interesting that, geez, well, what, what was up the most in the last two weeks? REITs were up, uh, financials. We're up. They haven't, you know, they've gone south forever, basically. You know, there's an interesting way to play both growth and income to me, which is uh, the, the the big uh, credit lenders, the business, the BDCs, uh, the mortgage REITs, because um, as rates come down, their cost of funds goes down. So their spread in yield goes up. Uh, and and we, we've been doing pretty well uh, in uh, the mortgage rates, et cetera. Uh, Brenda, I, I always brag that my, my business is called Transformity research for a reason because we're looking for transformational events that create these, you know, fast growth, fast earnings inflections. And we just hit an all time high on our LPG tankers today. You know, Panama Canal closes and I'll be dead gum. Uh, but now they're cutting down to 25 ships a day. And the yields for the day yields on LPG, particularly sort of our favorite because the United States makes the most LPG now and it, it doesn't go to us. It goes to India, goes to China, goes to Japan, et cetera. Uh, LPG and, you know, Advance and uh, and uh, BWG, they just doubled in price for us in the last six months and the yields went up. It's the damnedest thing. And that's really kept our, you know, uh, uh, these are small cap names and they're all now going to uplist to the New York Stock Exchange. So that, you know, the problem is <laughs> some days it'll trade 
800 shares. It's a little hard for me to buy, you know, 25,000 shares. But <laughs> we do, we've been doing it consistently and other people have been doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you got some pullback like yesterday, day before, which was great because people were taking profits. That's what people should be doing. Yeah, you make yeah you're right. 125% return in six months on LPG ships, okay? But you, you do if certain, you know, certain things happen, and yeah, um, and so I'm I'm seeing what Brent is saying is I'm, I'm seeing some rationality here, and large money managers again looking at the large trades, the large volumes have been going to areas that are just splatted uh, and, okay. and you know give it up for dead, and you know I'm sorry, people are going to continue to bank, uh, people continue to yeah. We own a Mr. Cooper, which is the largest servicer of mortgages. Yeah, when the rates go up, it hurts the origination guys, but our Mr. Cooper's up. 70% this year because servicing, nobody's selling their house. Nobody's trading. I mean, you know, so there's ways to navigate what's going on and not just be in big tech. But to Brennan's point, I certainly agree that, you know, the stock market follows narratives and narratives are a shorthand for what should I do as a money manager to not get my ass kicked by my manager um, that I missed out on that stuff. So when yeah. everybody agrees on one narrative, like the March of last year, or excuse me, May of last year with NVIDIA's knockout, then, then that can ride, ride for a long time. And then you get to this point where it's just hard to actual fundamentals start to get a little wheezy. And what yeah. should happen is you should get a pullback. You should get a digestion. Uh, and okay. that's sort of what we're, we're getting now, finally. And that's a good thing. That's yeah. a healthy thing. I don't know. you agree, Brenda? I'd I, be scared to death if, you know, this chart goes like this forever because um, that means the steeper it up the steeper the fall yeah i think it's it's healthy for the market to pause um and we have a lot of data coming out over the next couple of weeks and a fed meeting too uh, sure. but i do think the other thing that could keep those rally going is the amount of money that has been sitting in money market funds which is significant yeah. <laughs> it's almost six trillion dollars sitting in money market funds with people who said i've had enough i'm happy to just earn my five percent plus and i don't want to deal with the headache and now suddenly are wondering if they're missing out or they are missing out um, mm-hmm. on some of the returns that have been available. So I do think there is potentially more fuel, although when I look at something like the S&P 500 in aggregate and and just how much further it could go this year, I, I don't know, maybe we get another 2 to 3% for the end in the last few weeks of this year. But I think outside of that, it's probably going to be pretty hard. But if we look in other areas like small mid cap in the US, especially and even internationally, where fundamentals in Europe like look like they're improving a little bit, same thing in China. Don't tell that to the Germans, Brenda. <laughs> they have the first, they have the lowest manufacturing numbers in the last three months that they've had in right. decades. Right. But I do think we've gotten okay. some positive data on inflation. And I think that also bodes well for what the ECB's actions are going to be, which should be helpful uh, for the overall economy there. So okay. not seeing a lot of positives, but not seeing that there's going to be incremental negatives at this point, which sometimes is all it takes um, yeah. in order for money to start flowing back in. Hey, the Italian no. stock market was was one of tear the last two weeks. <laughs> well, that's the why we have so many. I think I, also I, helpful. It, it kept coming up on my screen, and um, and I was trying to figure that one out. <laughs> well, that's why we have so many listeners from Italy. So, uh, yeah. so Brenda, you're looking at at a two per, two to three percent possible. Um, appreciation in the markets or S&P 500 for the rest of the year, which sounds like a Santa Claus rally, which is great. What's your target for next year? Yeah, I think next year, you know, I am hopeful that when it comes to corporate earnings, 
And when it comes to just trends in general, that we have more normalization. And I think we're, we've started to see signs of that. But by that, I mean, you know, we've just seen these incredible um, pandemic distortions in terms of how people are consuming with all goods and then all services. Um, and it's made it very hard to predict. We've also had an environment where I think a lot of CEOs have been assuming maybe there's a recession six months down the road, and then you yeah. plan the business accordingly. <laughs> that if you don't think there's a recession coming, you think about things a little bit differently. So I'm hopeful that 2024 can be a more normalized year. Uh, but even still, um, when we look at where valuation multiples are, I don't think there's a ton of room for expansion unless we really see rates coming down. And I think if we really saw rates coming down, that would be a sign that, be... that there were tr- trouble in the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think in a perfect world, we get rates coming down a little bit uh, by mid-year or at mid-year or during the second half of next year. And then um, we get a more normalized earnings growth year. But even still, it's hard to make a really strong case for a double-digit return in the S&P 500 next year. I think we probably get high single-digit return overall. But I think beneath the surface, there'll be a lot more going on than that, right? Um especially with many of the areas uh, that haven't participated that are beneficiaries of rates coming down. Um, so I do think that it's important to stay diversified and not have all your eggs in that large cap tech basket, mm-hmm. even though you should have some, I think that. Yeah, yeah I've spoken all. from a woman from Silicon Valley is saying, yeah. Um, yeah, we deal with that a later. lot because we have a lot of people with all their eggs in one basket. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But those are really big eggs, I, I might add. Um, the, the, the thing I'm interested in, Todd, again, is looking at a transformational change. It's not always technology, okay? We have a bottom 50% uh, of the quintile, the two bottom quintiles of uh, household earnings that have been flat. Uh, and and we got into this, uh, into this third quarter, into the holiday season, and we have this big number on Black Friday that shockingly, a lot of them are using buy now, pay later. One of my yeah. favorite firms, a firm that just got crushed because it was at a silly, silly valuation. It came down here to a point it was about 80% down from what its IPO uh, was. And yet um, you started seeing at, at Spotify, at Shopify, at other places that they were starting to include. Same thing with Square, by the way. That's why we love, one of the reasons we love Square is A, it's a play on crypto and it's a play on, on, on buy now, pay later. And those stocks have taken up 20, 25%. Nobody talks yeah. about it. It's sort of like a it's a bad thing. Buy now, pay later. That somehow you're ripping off people. You're not. You know the the rates more transparent than a credit card. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's. Yeah, no. I'd rather put it on my thirty two percent. You know, Capital One card. Um, come on, man. This buy now, pay yeah. later allows you to to do things. I mean, I got to go get a crown put on. If I didn't have any money, I could buy now, pay later at my freaking dentist today. Um, and, and you know. It, it, it solves a problem for uh, a 60% of American households that are living paycheck to paycheck that, uh, that you know, you can do it uh, uh, for a, a refrigerator. You can do it for, you know, an emergency type stuff. But it's a, it's a good deal. And it also makes somebody pay it back over six months. So you're not just accruing this, you know, ever large uh, credit card uh, interest uh, bogey. Um, so there's, there's, you know, the, the, there are pieces, places, not sectors, yeah. micro sectors, right? In, in this giant market of stocks that have real inflection points of demand, um, yeah. And and then we even talked about Bitcoin, Brenda. Come on, man, you're in the 
You're the home of Bitcoin. <laughs> I know that Satoshi came right from your area, from Sand Hill. What's the Winkleboss your... twins were over there today. <laughs> yeah, oh God. yeah, that was a good article in the paper, wasn't it? What, what, what are they doing yeah, now? Um, yeah, what, right. What's your Bitcoin uh, call here? Brandon, do you hate, love, don't care? Well, we don't invest in it for our clients, but I do think that this prospect of having a spot Bitcoin ETF come to market is pretty interesting. And there's just been so many filings uh, yeah. with BlackRock, of course, being one of them. Um, and Fidelity. So, yep. Yeah, Fidelity. And, and Fidelity has been Vanguard. in the space <laughs> for a while with the Fidelity Digital Assets platform. But um, I, I do think if suddenly there is an easier, safer way uh, to invest in Bitcoin, that I do think if you look at the RA world, which I am in, um, yeah. there might be more adoption than there is today. Because today, honestly, it's it's difficult, uh, you know, to buy uh, for clients in a safe way, and it doesn't sit on the same platforms as uh, traditional stocks and bonds and even alternative investments. And so it makes it very challenging to invest in. Uh, but I do think there has been a kind of an interesting flushing out within the um, cryptocurrency world where um, which I had been thinking was, you know, eventually going to happen where we do have some of the more legitimate um, um uh, assets like Bitcoin uh, that have uh, risen to the top. They were always there, but you know there were a lot of other ways that people were certainly making a lot of money for a while, yeah. um, and subsequently losing it. Uh, but I do think that uh, Bitcoin is likely here to stay in some form, and that um, it, you know, it has enough support globally. And I think now from the financial services world, those willing to. Um, offer up a Bitcoin ETF that hopefully one will ultimately be approved, one or many more probably will be approved. Um, and I think that'll just only add legitimacy to the asset class. So, yeah, I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I've always, I, I've been very negative on, on Bitcoin as uh, as a currency. That's complete mm -hmm. part. Yes. Charlie Munger and I are on the same. I didn't quite call it as bad, many bad names as Charlie Munger calls it. But um but he's not the only Wall Street pro. He's not the only Wall Street pro. Jamie Dimon was on Capitol yes. Hill today saying yeah. the exact same thing. He said yeah. if he was on the Senate Banking Committee, he'd shut it down. Well, I, and, and I have no one way or the other. I, I don't regulate. I'm not a regulator. Um, but the two things that were compelling to me is, A, um, yes, the ETFs. I have a, some good contacts. They're very close uh, in inside that uh, process, and they say they say it's basically a slam dunk, Toby. They added a couple more weeks because they wanted to uh, uh, look at other of these filings. Mm -hmm. uh, number one. So number two, I'm told by multiple people that the Black Rocks and the you know Fidelity, et cetera, are buying Bitcoin now, mm -hmm. so they can open up their ETF and have enough uh, you know Bitcoin mm -hmm. to be able to have a you know 100 or 500 million dollar or five billion dollar. ETF because mm -hmm. they're not in it for a hundred million dollar ETF. They're right. in it for a five billion, a ten billion dollar ETF that they can take fees off of. You know, it's not a charity. Mm -hmm. So you have then you you have you know my my friends that uh, I, I grew up with a few that you know are only worth a hundred hundred fifty million dollars from the Bitcoin that they offered <laughs> me to buy, and I said you're gonna be crazy, um, and they're hodlers. I mean, most people I know who are in it. Brock Pierce is a good friend, and he. Um, uh, he's behind uh, a couple of the actual real coins, but he's a Bitcoin billionaire. And they don't sell. What they yeah. do is they, they license it out or they mm -hmm. loan it out. And Broccoli yeah. makes 
$25 million a year in interest just from lending out. They don't need to sell it. Um, so it people don't understand that, that if you're not inside that world, that there are so many ways you can make income. There's so many ways that you can get, um, you know, uh, other, other, uh, and you can sell options. You can sell call. I mean, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the whole I thing. think the whole, yeah, I think the hodlers and then the new people coming in mm-hmm. um, uh, is a supply demand, you know, imbalance, which makes things go get more valuable. And then we get to April yeah. 14th where the halving happens and all of a sudden 70% of the miners are not going to be able to make a, a, a profit. And so they're going to basically shut down or they're going to turn into, uh, you know, power generators. And the okay. big guys um, are going to mop the floor with the small guys uh, on the mining side. And that's going to mean less amount of Bitcoin. So yeah. the dynamics, I think, are, are very, very positive. And I'm, I'm long BITO. I'm long BTMX. I'm, we're long a fair amount of stuff. I never thought in my life, Brenda, that I would ever be long. You know, Mara and Riot and um, a couple other ones. But And then Square, because I think Square, if, if with their cash uh, app, you can buy Bitcoin right now. I mean, very simply, yeah. just here, you know, boom, buy me. Um, it's the too simplest bad it's, way to own it. It's too bad it's not tangible. You can't melt it and put that, you know, over your crown then. So, yeah, so maybe, nice. maybe we, we can only dream. Yeah. One last question before we close out the show, Brenda, because mm-hmm. obviously Bitcoin's up. I mean, with a weakening dollar, um, threats of a recession, et cetera, et cetera. It's reason to to look at it. gold. Obviously, it's been uh, yeah. on a, just a tear lately. Right. Uh, what's your forecast? Recession? Yes, no, or too early to call for next year? I think we'll probably avert a recession, but I think the key is the labor market. Um, But I will also say that there are some other extraordinary things about the current environment outside of even the pandemic environment that we've been in. And that is one is the strength of the baby boomer generation that's retiring (laughs) trillions of dollars in savings. Exhibit A. And I think they're living their life. What do you mean by a trillion? It's seven trillion, isn't it? Yeah. So they're not they're Yeah. They're not going to I don't think they're going to they don't care about they own their home outright. They don't care about what's happening in the job market. They're going to spend and live the life they want to live. Um, so I think that's that's a different that's a change, <laughs> you know, a change from the rest of what we're used to in terms of having such a significant part of the population yeah. fall into that category. Um, so I think that's going to be impactful. But I think overall, we're likely avert recession. But I do think we will likely have more of a slowing. So I think we might even have a scenario where if things are slowing around the edges, the market's going to have to grapple with just what does that mean? How much slower did we get or not? But I do think. Are uh, you saying stagflation? Are you saying the S word? I'm not saying stagflation. No, because I do think that inflation is going to continue coming down. And I think the improvement is great to see oil prices where they're at right now, because that is going to help facilitate headline inflation. And if it oil prices at at the core, there's no question. Yeah. You know, what what uh, shelter is 41, 42 percent. Yes. It's the so, shelter category that I think is going to be a yeah. continued source of improvement, because what it has been reflecting is not anything of what we're really seeing in the real world, where rent is only increasing about two, three percent. Home prices are not increasing at six percent plus anymore. Um, so I do think that that's going to be a source of ongoing um, improvement in inflation. Yeah. So, will we will so. we ever get to two percent in a world where we're deglobalizing? Well, I think there's going to be some forces at play. Deglobalization, but then we have AI, which should be deflationary if we can do more with less. Um, you know, that should be a deflationary force. So I think there's going to be a lot of things at play, uh, but I, I don't think that um, 
we're in for um, a resurgence of inflation, as some are expect, or some are calling for. Um, as who is calling for a resurgence of inflation now, Brenda? I want names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a few calls saying like, "Yes, we'll see some improvement, but you know, perhaps we could have more." Uh, I'm not going to name names, but we do subscribe to some. <laughs> Some outside research that has left that open as a possibility. Oh, no, I mean, is this Peter Bachvar or is this some of the other like golden crazies? I love it. P Peter, whatever his name, I can't say his last name because it makes me cute. He's been working on gold for, you know, let's say 15 years in a row. Um, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we get, a, a, we get an inflation and it didn't go. But then we got the dollar. Uh, going up in value and then going down. So now we started right. to get a little gold action. Mm -hmm. um, and with rates coming you know, down, I think there's more of a case for gold, right? With gold, there's, you know, there's no yield. And then so it's harder to make a case when you can earn 5% right. in market yeah. As yields coming down. It's more yeah. of a case to be made. Yeah, no doubt about that. And that is a big, that, I tell you what, that's a professional's game too, if you're going to try to trade anything in the metals market. So, uh, but that's a whole other story for another time. So let's leave it there, guys. So uh, Brenda, thank you so much. I think you said it all today. Uh, we'd love to have you back on by wholesale. You were fantastic. I know the audience is gonna love hearing this show. So, uh, so this is great. So uh, on behalf of Tobin Smith, absolutely. On behalf of Tobin Smith and Brenda Vangelo, from Sand Hill Global Advisors. We'd like to thank all of you for joining us today on Buy Wholesale. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transform, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.